Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Open up your Bibles, if you will. I hope you're going to take some notes today because we are uh, on part two. Uh, while ago, Chris asked me when she wanted when I wanted her to come in and I said on point 14 and her eyes got really big. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I'm starting on point 11. So uh, w- how many of you are glad I'm starting on point 11? So uh, I am, um, last week I gave you 10 things uh, that I believe Holy Spirit was saying the time is now for. And uh, I'm gonna start on a scripture out of the old covenant, the prophet Haggai. Come on, how many of you have been reading Haggai this week? (laughs) Wow, amen, somebody has, same Holy Spirit. Haggai chapter one, beginning with verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time is not yet. I'm gonna pause. Meditate on that. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. That's pretty heavy duty. That's old covenant. But in that old covenant story, God shows us how important the temple of God is. So we move from the old covenant to the new covenant. And I believe that the Lord is saying, now is the time to rebuild my temple. What's he talking about? This building, we're, we're in a beautiful new building. Don't you love our new building? Really? Only eight of you love our new building? <laughs> I love our new building. It is, it is, I don't know. I just, every time I walk in here, I just feel like God's already here before I get here. I come up here by myself a lot of times and just walk up and down these rows of chairs, praying and worshiping God. But this is just a house. When no one's here, God's not here. But he's saying it's time for us, the church in America. I'm speaking to uh, the American Christian today. It's time that we rebuild our temple. Prophet Haggai's prophetic word from God that the time is now. I believe is also a prophetic word for 2021 that the time is now for us to make sure that we have surrendered the temple of the Holy Ghost to God. Where is the temple today? It's right in here. It's not here. This is a building, a sanctuary, a place that we have dedicated to worship God. But aren't you glad when that little lady at the well of Samaria came to Christ and she said, on what mountain shall we worship? 
On what hill shall we worship? You Jews say it has to be in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, oh no. The time is coming and now is that all true children of God will worship in spirit and truth. That's why you're not limited to worship when you get here on Sunday morning. I hope when you get here on Sunday morning, you're just so overflowing already with what you've been doing before you got here that worship is just a natural extension. It goes from private to corporate and something happens when we go from private to corporate. There's something you cannot get in your own private worship that you can only get in corporate. And there is something you can only get in private worship that you can't get in corporate. Both are necessary. That's why when you come into the house on Sunday morning or Monday night or whenever we meet and you've been worshiping the Lord, it's so easy for you just to press right on in. You just close your eyes, forget, except for all of you that got children and you're in the training process. This too will come to pass one day if you'll train them properly now. One day you won't have to worry about them. You just be worshiping God and they'll be beside you worshiping. I was over there in the corner this morning looking around during worship and I was so blessed by a few of our children that I know received the Holy Spirit this weekend. I was watching them worship. Last week I was watching them with their hands in their pocket just standing bored. This morning I was watching them with their hands raised, worshiping God. Something transpires in our life when we're full of the Holy Spirit of God, conviction for the time. You see, Jesus paid the price for your life. We belong to him. His spirit graces us to walk out his word. So today I'm going to give you five more points, and I'm only stopping at five because several of you told me last week after service, Pastor, man, that word was so rich for me, but I got, I got just so messed up, I couldn't do all ten of them. It was just too much. And, and uh, so I encourage you, go back, listen to the word, because all ten of those are the word of the Lord. I'm going to give you five today, amen? So you should take notes or you should plan to Listen to this later. Why? Because our life belongs to God and we're called to walk it out. And if you don't make a decision to discipline yourself, either on your smartphone or notepad or in your Bible, to, to, to discipline yourself to get a hold of the word, you'll walk out of here today and you'll go, whoo, church was great today, man. And, and, and somebody will say, well, what did the preacher preach? And it'll disappear out of your mind. That's why you need your notes. That's why you need your discipline yourself to stay in the word and get in the word. And I'm saying to that while 95% of you just look up here at me this morning because you haven't gotten it yet. We're, we're entering into a day in 2021 when you will not be able to live for God out of your emotions. You will fail and you will fail miserably. All right, let me get in the word because... This morning, you're going to, <laughs> this morning, I'm going to share some things. All right, number one, or number 11, excuse me. The list of things I believe Holy Spirit is speaking to us, specifically the church in America. And my challenge to us as a people, the Rock of Gainesville for 2021, point number 11, to daily give place to the Holy Spirit. Today, you say, hold it, Pastor, that was one of your points last week. Nope. You're going to get the difference in that in a moment. Last week, the point was to receive the Holy Spirit. What I just said to you was to give place daily to the Holy Spirit of God in your life. John 14, Jesus says, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, who? Helper. Helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit is first the helper, secondly, he's the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. How do I know him? He dwells with you and will be, come on somebody, in you. But the helper, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. How many things? All. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, guess what he's going to do? 
He's going to bear witness of Christ daily in our lives. Daily in our lives. So, to make a place for the Holy Spirit. Well, let me read one more verse. Acts chapter 1, I read this last week, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So number one in this point, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life is indeed a wonderful gift. Matter of fact, I've said it, I believe it with all that's within me, without the Holy Spirit, you're just gonna struggle to try to live by religious law and keep the 10 commandments, which you can't do without the Holy Spirit. So when the gift of the Holy Spirit comes and we invite him into our life and the power of God is released into us, I believe we have the ability, even beyond that, the right to go from being a Christian like Peter was before the Holy Ghost and a Christian like Peter was after the Holy Ghost. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read this, but I'm going to give it to you as a reference. Acts chapter 2, verse 14, all the way down through 41. It is the incredible evidence of what transpired in a man's life who before the Holy Ghost, he rejected, denounced, denied, and cursed the name of Jesus. Can I tell you what Peter did was no worse than what Judas did? The difference was Judas tried to go and save himself and he hung himself on a tree and his bowels fell over the ground. Peter went out and wept. You remember what happened? Jesus dies, horrible death. Three days later, comes out of the grave. Mary and some of the women, they run to the grave to see if they can take care of Jesus' body and and the tomb is open. The rock has been rolled away. The guards are nowhere to be found. And Mary sees a gardener, she thinks, and says, where have you laid him? And Jesus reveals himself, and he says, go tell my disciples, and Peter. Come on, how many of you want Jesus to say, and Hector, and George, and Connie, and John, and Fabian, and Helga? He doesn't forget. And no matter how much we have sinned, God forgives us. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Peter comes out of that room after being filled with the Holy Spirit. Power has been released on his life. Tongues of fire have come over them. They're all praying in a language. They don't have a clue what they're doing. They don't have a clue what they're saying. All they know is they're worshiping God in a language that they have never worshiped before. And they go out of the building and become a witness in the streets. And that day when Peter got through talking, it was no longer rejection, denial, cursing Christ. He stood and said, the Christ, which revealed himself, you have murdered. And they, under the conviction of this Holy Spirit I'm talking about, yelled out, what must we do? Come on, somebody, I got chill bumps. What must we do to be right with God? And he says, repent and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Why? Peter knew firsthand what it was like trying to live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And don't you love the precious story of the end of Peter's life? You know, 10 of the original 11 disciples were martyred, killed for their faith. Judas went out and hung himself. John the Revelator was the only one that died a natural death. 10 men, horrible, horrible deaths. There was no woe is me, where is God? Why has he forsaken me? Peter's cry was this, 
that I would be crucified like my Christ. No way. If you're going to hang me on a tree, you hang me upside down. Because I'm not even worthy to die the same way Jesus, my Savior, died. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God that changes us. And I am going to speak today prophetically over us as a people, not only the Rock of Gainesville, over the American Christian church. Because when persecution comes, right now the American church cannot handle it. We are, woe is me, where is God? Why has God forsaken me? When in all reality, probably the only nation on the face of the earth that has not come under some kind of intense persecution for believers. There has been a grace on our life to walk in a blessing that for whatever reason God has blessed this nation and I believe it was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. And I believe that truth has withheld persecution on our nation. But I believe things might be changing. Matter of fact, I know they are. Because all over this nation, in wicked states that are governed by wicked leaders, the church is already under intense persecution. Churches in California, Washington State, Oregon are getting fined every single week, tens of thousands of dollars for gathering. People are being marked. Christians are being named. That's not in India or Iran. It's in America. If it can happen in Washington, California, Oregon, it eventually can happen in Florida. And when it does, will we, the church, be ready? Will it be our privilege, as it's been our privilege to walk under his amazing blessing, will it also be our privilege to be persecuted for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, I don't think you'll shout me down much this morning, but I'm preaching the truth. And if I don't, when it comes, we'll not be prepared. We, church, need the Holy Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit of God, not just so we can shine the light a little bit, but so that we can live full every day of the presence and the Spirit of the living God, that Spirit that comes to convict us of sin and righteousness. So that when sin is our life, we deal with it. So that why? So that we can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to make a place every day for him to lead us, to teach us, to help us, and when needed, to comfort us. See, you know what? As American Christians, we read that and we think the only time we have to be comforted is when someone we love dies. What would happen if you had to be comforted because persecution came in such a way in your life that dads, they came in and said, if you don't denounce Christ, we're going to take your daughter out of your house and you might not ever see her again. Would you denounce Christ? All over the world. You shudder at that thought, don't you? But all over the world, it's happening. All over the world, people are having to pay a great price. How do they do it? They do it the same way the early church did it. They truly believe that God is the God. And in the end, through it all, they believe in the resurrection of the saints. And they believe in an eternal heaven where they will live together forever and ever and ever. And the pain of this world will be just a moment. And the tears will be wiped away out of our eyes. And we will live together forever in the presence of the living God. We need him. And we have to acknowledge him. Number 12, interesting, right behind number 11, to love our enemies. To love our enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, these next few points, we're going to be hanging out in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, 
And all I can say about it is if you don't like it, Jesus is the one that says all the things I'm about to say. Okay, I'm really in good shape right now. It's not about me whatsoever. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Pause there for a second. Last night when I got home, my whole family went out to eat. My wife made me go home. She didn't have to. I was on my way home. And I went home and warmed up a little plate of veggies and I sat down and for the first time in a week, I decided to turn on the television. I was looking for something on the Victory Channel and I came across, I don't even know what channel it was, but it was a story about the persecuted church in, in Russia under communist control. And the literally thousands, tens of thousands, and hundreds of thousands of Christians that died in prison because they would not reject Jesus Christ. I was mesmerized. And one of the men that they were interviewing was telling the story that in this particular, Christian, in this particular jail, after a while, it became known as the Christian jail because everybody that came to this jail got saved. And the one man said, out of the tens of thousands that had died under his care, that no matter where they are, were when they came into the prison, they departed the prison through the door of death, but with a glorious smile on their face because they knew in whom they served. That no matter, and they were pictures after pictures after pictures of these precious Russian Christians, and they were telling the story of Brother Richard, how do you say his last name? Wormbrand. And his deliverance out of a prison, and, and then eventually how him and his wife were ransomed. They literally, Christians paid money to the country to get him out of this particular situation. And he came to the States, and obviously, he was the amazing man who started the magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs. Most Christians don't know much about this magazine. You got your biking magazines and your shopping magazines and your What Next I Want to Buy magazines. But I want to encourage you. You should go home today. Don't do it right now while I'm preaching. Get on your little smartphone and order this magazine. And you should read the stories to your children. No, pastor. Nah, we got to protect our kids. They, sh they shouldn't have to know about this stuff. Oh my gosh, you're wrong. You're reading them the word of God. They need to understand that America has been under a grace. But our walk with him, our life belongs to him. In this magazine the other day when I got it, I sat down the other night after getting home from one of the services and I read the whole magazine and I sat there and wept. First story about believers in India and a man and a woman that had several daughters and they loved Jesus. Mom and dad loved Jesus and the daughters loved Jesus. And the horrific things that happened to them over the next months as they were turned in for their Christianity, the daughters were stripped out of the home not knowing if they would ever be seen again. Parents realizing that they could be brutally beaten, raped, murdered. And they were asked one last time, everyone, if you will just reject Jesus, your kids can stay in your home. In America, what would we do? You see, is our Christianity American-based? 
or is it Christ-based? I don't know. Man, I pray. I pray to God that whenever it comes, be it in this country or in my life in another country, that I would never reject the Christ who paid a horrible death for my benefit. But to be quite honest, we don't really know in this country because we have enjoyed. Matter of fact, if I hear one more Christian, woe is me around me about this or that, that absolutely You see, we really do have a victim mentality in the church in America. Oh, God blessed me with a new job. Well, what happens when you lose your job? Oh, God gave me a new house. What happens if your house burns down? Well, I got me a new vehicle. What happens if you flip that vehicle? Is God still good? Or is he good only when we get the stuff? Even when we're going through... I was so convicted last night. I was watching this show, and this man's laying on the bed. And the man comes in, and he finds him, and he said, I thought you were dead months ago. And a smile came across his face, and he said, no, God's not through with me yet. Laying there coughing and hacking in a cold, in a cold room where, where his breath could be seen, And he said, until the Father is through with my testimony, I will lay here, I will rise. And the man said, listen, I'm going to do whatever I can to get you medicine. And he looks at him and he says, no, no, no. Only get medicine if you can get it for all those in this prison. You're not going to just get it to me because if you do, I'm going to give it away. Showed how these men sitting on cots in a cell, their breath coming out. As they're sharing their little piece of portion of food or bread. And they would take a cup and they'd take a piece of bread. And they would would use their very shackles that they were shackled with to begin to worship God. And they would beat their shackles on the metal chairs and they would begin to worship God. And they would share communion together. And they were joyful with a joy that is unspeakable, full of glory. Because it's not based on a God that just gives me everything I want. Y'all have to love me because you're not even going to have a chance to get in heaven unless you do. But I am going to preach the truth to us. I'm going to stir us. Verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors who were considered obviously back then the worst of the worst in the Jerusalem camp. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you going doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The command to love and to love those who persecute us is a commandment that we are graced, say graced, that we are graced to walk out. Martin of Tours who lived from A.D. 316 to 397, was a bishop of Tours, France, from A.D. 371. And he told a story of one very cold night as he was heading back to his residence, riding on horseback, that he passed a beggar. Martin got off of his horse, tore his robe in two, and gave half of it to the beggar on the street. That night, Martin went home, went to bed, and while he was sleeping, he had a dream in which he saw Jesus. And Jesus was wearing (laughs) the robe that had been torn in two, and he had it over his shoulders. And Martin asked in the dream, where did you get that robe? And Jesus replied, My servant Martin gave it to me. Wow. There are hurting people in this world that we, the church in America, have been commissioned to stop judging and start loving. 
to stop judging and to start loving. Number 13, to bless those who wrong you and persecute you. This is like a 12B. Matthew chapter five, verse 10 through 12 says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account rejoice, Jesus says, and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. How many of you wanna have a great reward in heaven? I, I don't wanna just get to heaven. I don't wanna just get to heaven, just scrape my way in. I wanna have a great reward. And the only way I ever get that is 100% obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you turn my mic off for just a second because I don't want these folks to hear me blow my nose. Thank you, you can turn it back on. Did y'all appreciate that? I did. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, when persecution against believers in the house of God comes, there will be a way and a grace in which to respond. My friend, Pastor James, that's preached here twice over the last year, came at his own expense, flew here from Tacoma just to bless Suzanne and I and to bless our house. They're under horrible junk every day, every week. Meeting, having to meet outside, finally getting to go back inside, but told only that 20% of the church could come, or 25%. Being accused and charged, and it's happening all over that part of the country. And men of God are having to determine, will I follow man or will I follow God? And, and sadly, in America, so many Christians are so confused about following God first. Because they always bring up that out-of-context out of scripture. You just gotta, you gotta do whatever the government says. What if the government says that you can't love Jesus anymore? What if the government says you can't gather anymore? What if the government says you gotta stop meeting from house to house? What if the government says it's against the law for you to teach or read the word of God to your children? What will you do then? See, the word is very clear that we're not to forsake the assembling of the fellowship of believers. And that means in a country where persecution and laws have been established, do you realize that in every Islamic country in the world, it is against the law to be a Christian and to promote Christianity? And the sentence is death. What's happening? Obviously, there must not be very many Christians in those countries. Oh, my gosh. You heard the country that really hates America besides China? Iran. Amazing article. Matter of fact, one of our young men in our church, Bajan, is from Iran. Family still there. He's so excited the other day telling the pastors, telling pastors, he yelled at me across the, across the building. It was right before service. And he's, I gotta tell you something. I said, no, you don't. You don't have time. Tell Suzanne. And uh, she can tell me. She can give me the interpreted version. But, but he started telling what happened this year in Iran during Christmas. There are so many Christians that are springing forth across the nation of Iran today. Revival's taking place. Women of God are, are just without shame or fear preaching the gospel to their neighbors, to their friends, to their families, to their loved ones, knowing every single day when they get up and go out of their house, this might be the last day that I'm free. Today I could be arrested for what I'm about to do. Come on, somebody. But Bajan said that this Christmas, it was out of control to where the government just finally backed up and let them do it. There were Christians putting up Christmas trees all over Iran celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ and sharing with their neighbors and their friends 
They're Christian faith, but it's against the law. In any moment the government wants to, they can come in, arrest you, and if so desire, they can kill you like that. And yet, what's happening? Revival. The Lord is showing himself in dreams and visions to people all over this world that have never known Jesus to be anything but a good man that was a prophet. But you can't say he was Jesus, the son of God, because that is offensive to that religion. And yet, God's showing up in dreams. This man last night on the TV, he said, he said they can arrest us for being Christians. They could take our children for being Christians. They could shut down our churches for being Christians. They can break down our homes and arrest and separate husbands from wives for being Christians. But they can't take the love of God from us no matter what prison they put us in. We are full of the joy of the Lord. A Christ that cannot be cast out. You remember the story I told years ago. Many in this room had the privilege of sitting at the feet of a man named Moses in China. He'd spent 25 years in prison because of his faith. And finally, because the prison he was in had so many Christians, not only among those that were locked up, but the guards started getting saved. And the guards were the covenant group leaders or care group leaders or small group leaders of the prisoners and they were taking the word from cell to cell, sharing the teachings of Brother Moses, who was strapped, shackled in his hands, shackled at his feet, and a chain from the shackle here to there, where he laid on his side for 25 years and would not reject the Christ, his Savior and his Redeemer. Wow. That's a story that you really can only go I can't even comprehend. I can't comprehend. And yet one day, to make mockery of this man, they brought him into a government building full of the Chinese communist leaders. And they were gonna make fun of this man. And so they brought him in, laid him on his side, shackled hands and feet, and the leader said, unshackle him. We want to see what his God can do for him. 25 years laying on the floor, sideways, shackled. Impossible to stand up. Impossible for your body to be straight again. How many of you are in this room were with me when we got to meet Moses? Raise them high. Keep them up high. Did that, not, did that man not at 80-something years old sit straight as a two-by-four? My gosh, he was, he was the straightest old man I'd ever seen. And they said, unshackle him. And they said, Moses, if your God will, stand. And he began to stretch his arms out, began to move his legs, rolled over from his side onto his fore and then begin to push himself up. And after 25 years, he stood straight up before those people. And their mockery became shame. And many came to Christ and they sent him home. And so that day in the back of a restaurant, I'm telling you, doctors and nurses and our team, I, I mean, people weren't even sitting on their chairs. They just felt like they had to get on the ground. They didn't, they didn't feel worthy to sit upright like he was. I'm telling you, I've never in my lifetime been so moved. And he sat there in that chair next to his beautiful wife, told the story. She did not even know if he was alive. 25 years after they stripped him out of his home, 25 years later, they dropped him back off in the same home where she was waiting and praying and hoping and trusting. 
And I asked him that day, because he's passing out DVDs and he's giving the Jesus movie out and he's passing out tracts and, and he's openly preaching Jesus. And I said, brother, brother Moses, aren't you a little fearful of doing that so openly? And he said, what can they do to me? Will they send me back to prison? Is there another group of lost people that need to be saved and I need to go to prison so they have a chance? I don't know about you. That just kind of does something that gets my watered down American Christianity. I say, God, show yourself so mighty in this nation that our lives will forever, ever be changed. I have 10 grandchildren. You know that. I talk about them a lot. For the sake of my kids, I want mercy and peace. I want life to be normal. I want them to play their ball games and do their things. And I was saying all of this to the Lord recently on a prayer walk. And he said to me, what if all those things lead your grandchildren to not love me? Because their God will become their stuff, their things, their boats, their golf, their shopping, their resorts, their vacations. Because the only God they will know will be the God that they think is the God that just gives them stuff. And I broke and wept. And I said, God, I don't want to lose one of my 10 grandchildren. I want my grandkids to love God and live out the purpose of God on this earth. And if it takes something beyond what we want in the natural, I trust you, God. I trust you. Because we live in a country of stuff. We just all have stuff. Stuff that none of you will take with you when you leave this world. Stuff. Number 14. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the scripture first. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Number 14, it's time for us to be peacemakers. Pastor, you've just been preaching about all this persecution stuff and all what people are going through, and now you're telling us we're supposed to be peacemakers. Yes, in the midst of it, we're supposed to make peace and be people of peace. That's why so many believers in the early church, do you realize almost a vast majority of the first church of Jesus Christ in the world was persecuted and martyred for their faith? If you've never read the story, the history of the early church, you are missing out on an heritage that will establish your foundation. You'll have to get through some horrible, gory stuff because they died horrible deaths. Declaring, my God, is well labeled. See, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they cried out, my God is well able to deliver me, but if he does not, be it known this day, O king, you don't need to waste your breath or blow any more horns. I'm not gonna worship and bow down to your God. Amen, I'm not bowing down, no matter what the cost. In the midst of it, we're peacemakers. Boy, does this church in America need a little bit of this right now. Christians all across this country, angry, mean. Sometimes you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. They're vile, angry, backbiting, talking. I touched on this the other day or last week or sometime, but I am very serious. Some of you, here's a prophetic warning. If you cannot stop writing garbage on Facebook, you need to, for your sake of your salvation, get off of Facebook. If you think God set you in there to set everybody else straight, 
And to correct everybody, you need to shut that thing down. Find out who God is. Called to be peacemakers. You can't write vile stuff to other believers. Rebuke them like you are Holy Spirit. My gosh, you want God to uncover all your nakedness and sin? You keep messing around, he will. He'll uncover you. Peacemakers. Pretty simple, isn't it? We are called to make peace. Don't misunderstand this. Because in Scripture it says, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the, and the violent. said, so well, how in the world can I be a peacemaker and violent at the same time? Holy Spirit will show you how. Holy Spirit will show you how. He'll show you how. It's real. He will show you how to go to battle and fight all hell. But be a peacemaker to those who are in flesh who still need Jesus in their lives. Number 15, and I close. Don't put that up yet. I'm going to leave that till next week. Take that off that wall there. I don't want them turning around looking at it. It's too late. I think I've said enough. We need God in the fullness of his glory and in the power of his resurrection. We need to take serious, church, hear me. We need to take serious the word of God. We can no longer just come to church, hear a little preaching, go home, come back next Sunday and have no discipline in our life for the word, the spirit, or prayer. I believe God's not winking any longer at the church in America. But at the same time, what a glorious time to be alive. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all think, man, this is really heavy today. No, no. I believe that we're going to enter into the most glorious day in the history of the church around the world. More people are going to get saved and come to Christ than ever before. We're going to experience a power unlike we've ever known before. In this day of wickedness, in this day of persecution, in this day of trials and trouble, the Word of God's going to be released. I believe even in America, some folks are going to have some dreams and visions. They will run to the house of God. Others are going to come. Hear me, church. When we, the church, not only pray and worship and live in the Word, but we go into the highways and byways, our neighborhoods, our family, the places where we work and live and shop and live as laborers thrusting in the sickle to reap the harvest of this day we're entering in. There's no other time in history I'd rather be alive than right here, right now. And can I tell you just one last thing, and, I, and I'm promising to try to talk less about this, but this battle that I'm facing Nine months at home while y'all were coming and having church. And I'm watching online. Thank God we have online. It ain't the same. Worship's not the same. Man, I, I'm out praying, I'm walking, and I'm feeling isolated. And I'm fighting in faith. I'm trusting, I'm believing. I'm prophesying, I'm declaring. I'm, I'm speaking to my body when my body is, is messing with me and telling me all kinds of things. I'm rejecting what it's saying. I'm doing my part. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. But can I tell you, this battle this last year, I'm really thankful for. It's brought an awareness of how short our life on this earth is. 
It's brought an awareness that there are only a few things that really matter, and my golf score is not one of them. And I love to play golf. It's not about the number of fish I can catch unless those fish come in a human form. It's brought an awareness that I don't know how many days I have left. I don't know how many months I have left. I don't know how long I'll get to preach this gospel. But I am thankful that in my latter days, I'm consumed with his love, his mercy, his goodness, his call on my life. There is not one person in this world that I know that I do not have a great desire to see them saved. There's nobody in my family that's ever done me wrong that I just don't care. I pray for them like I'm the only hope they have. There are a few others in this room this morning that can identify with what I'm saying. Because I'm telling you, as long as everything was hunky-dory, sweet, wonderful, traveling the world, I'm doing my mission stuff, get to preach to the greatest people in the world, it wasn't all that God wanted for me. Did God bring cancer on my life? Absolutely not. Cancer is a wicked demon of hell. Amen? There's nothing about cancer that is of God. It's because we live in a fallen world. But don't for a moment pity me. There is no woe in me. The only thing that's in me is God, I want these days ahead. I want to do your will. I want to see your glory fill the house like we've never known before. I want to see people experience the fullness of God like never before. We need you, God. Would you stand? Father, I'm humbled by your precious anointing and your wonderful grace and your sweet goodness and your everlasting mercy. Father, help us to wake up. Help the church in America to wake up. I pray again over all the dads in this house that they will take their responsibility to train up and raise up their children so that whatever happens in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead, their children will be prepared. Anoint them to teach the word to their children, to lead them in prayer. Help dads and moms together, single moms, single dads. Help us to truly disciple the next generation to know you, Father, and the fullness of your power of the resurrected Christ. Let us no longer ever be satisfied with just stuff. With every head bowed for just a moment, please. I just have to take a moment to say if there's one or five or 10 in this room or watching online that today you do not know this Jesus, this Father that we're talking about. You have not surrendered your life to Christ. Or maybe like in so many cases in America, you once, long time ago, walked with God. But you bought into a lie and you found yourself on the outside of the kingdom. But God's brought you back because he loves you. He loves you so much. He never stops. Jesus never stops interceding on your behalf. 
If you don't know the Lord in this place today, I can lead you. What a privilege it would be in a simple prayer that will forever mark your life. And from this day, January the 10th, 2021, you will have the privilege of entering into eternity in the presence of your God and Father who loves you. There's emptiness. There's an unfulfilled spirit that has consumed you that no matter what the world has to offer, you're always empty. Today, Jesus wants to fill you with his love, his goodness, and his mercy. While every believer in this room has their head bowed and they're praying, and this is just between you, me, and the Lord, if today you would like to raise your hand, say, Pastor, that's me, lead me. I'm, I'm ready today to make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you just lift up your hand and hold it till I can see it across, across this congregation because Jesus loves you, because he loves you. Yes, God bless. Anyone else? You're watching online today. You can pray this prayer with us in a moment. But today, you just want to surrender to Jesus. Man, he loves you so much. Maybe you're a husband. Yes, dear, God bless you. Maybe you're in a troubled marriage. Maybe you're sitting there side by side today and you both desperately, you fought each other. Now God's saying, I'll give you the grace to fight together, to win and to be victorious through Christ Jesus. Anyone else? Quickly, I don't want to leave anyone out. The presence of God is here today to save you. Yes, God bless you, dear. God bless those. Man, I remember the day when I ran to the altar, changed my life forever. One last time, anybody else want to join these that have lifted their hand? God bless you. Yes, thank you. God, God is ready. He loves you so much. And he has such a plan and a future for your life. Pray this prayer with me across this congregation. All the believers are going to pray with us. You raised your hand. Pray this prayer. You're watching online. You need to pray. Pray this prayer. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to pray this prayer. And then you can raise your hand another day or tell a pastor or someone. Pray this prayer with me today. Father God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus, the one you gave to die for me, I come to surrender my life. Jesus, I need you. I don't need any more knowledge about you. I need you. Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord, my Savior my Redeemer. I'm giving you my life this day. I'm rejecting sin, and I'm rejecting my past life, and I'm rejecting stuff so that I can receive the fullness of the love that you first loved me with. So today, I confess Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life, my Savior, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's give the Lord an ovation of praise. <laughs> Pastor Ron will close it out in just a second. I just want to remind you and encourage you as a church, we're praying through the Word of God this year together. The story I shared about the bishop in France is. If, well, if you're doing this devotional, you'll get to it. I'm a few days ahead. Uh, man, it's amazing how much Bible reading you can do when TV's off. But I, I want to challenge you. There is so much richness in God's Word. And if you don't have it, I would ask you to do this. Ask God to give you a newfound love for His Word. Man. You read Genesis, wow, there's some crazy, amazing, romantic, sweet, violent, horrible stories. 
And you know what I found this last week reading Genesis? God uses imperfect people to do his will. Don't you, aren't you thankful for that? I mean, he uses people that are not perfect to do what he's called us to do. I'm thankful for that. Pastor Ron will go over it, but I encourage you. It's not too late to get in it. You can just jump in, read the word every day, spend time in prayer every day, worship every day, and say, God, what do you have for me for 2021? God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.